North Virginia Welcome to this edition of V Radio, brought to you here on Revolution Broadcasting and also RestoreTheRepublicRadio.com. Uh, tonight, I will have, once again, Socialist Party candidate Brian Moore on my show. Um, in addition to that, actually, I have a couple of announcements that we've discussed, um, aside from the fact that now we are also going to have um, the, the exclusive coverage of the debate this coming Thursday, uh, thanks to my connections with Christopher Thrasher, a former... Uh, Senator Mike Gravel uh, campaign aide, essentially. Um, and uh, basically, we will uh, be looking into that here in the near future. In addition, we will also be adding um, a left-leaning Liberty Channel here at Restore the Republic Radio, uh, essentially for people like you know Dennis Kucinich, Democrats, um, uh, Mike Gravel, Libertarians, Nader people, people along that line. So I'm going to call Brian Moore here. You can see he's trying to call me. And uh, we'll get this interview started. Brian Moore. Hello, Mr. Moore. I'm sorry about that. I, I saw you trying to call me, but it, it's easier for me to add you to the call. Is this okay? Oh, okay. I thought I was supposed to call you. Sorry. No, no, you don't have to do that. Anytime <laughs> we're going to have an interview, I'll, I'll call you because it's easier for me to add you to the call. Um, well, uh, welcome once again to now uh, Restore the Republic Radio, um, formerly Revolution Broadcasting. Um, it's good are we live? Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. No problem. Welcome. Good evening. Well, uh, Mr. Moore, um, I also wanted to let you in on something. Actually, I was just talking to my listeners about uh, it. I have persuaded my associates here at Restore the Republic Radio to begin a uh, channel set aside specifically for left-leaning, liberty-minded people. Um, I have extended an invitation to your party to send, you know, to, if there are any radio hosts who would like to host a radio show here on our, on our broadcast network on that channel, um, I'll be willing to give you guys a voice. So, um, Great. Thank you. That's basically the, the only thing they have to be willing to do is agree to the, the four points that Ron Paul got, you know, Ralph Nader and Cynthia McKinney to agree to, and you've already said you agree to them, so... I imagine there's got to be more people in your party who would be willing to do that. Um, and uh, uh, as I had spoken to you earlier, Mr. Moore, you had talked to me about the possibility, based, or not, not the possibility, but just that uh, there were some things that you had wanted to say in our recent debate that we had uh, that you did not really get an opportunity to address because of the nature of the questions that were presented. And I wanted to give you essentially uh, the floor to discuss these, these issues with our listeners. Remembering, of course, when you hear the music, obviously we'll be going to break. So, All right. 
Um, feel free once again. Uh, you know, the floor is yours. Well, I think there's two areas that I'd like to address. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, more uh, in tune with what's uh, being talked about around the country uh, today and yesterday, and the other one is the overall approach to socialism and what it, what it means to me and what I hope it, it, it would mean to, to my fellow Americans. But right at the moment, I, what I'm concerned about is that people seem to think that uh, Barack Obama and the Democrats are socialists. And uh, from our perspective, it, that's a big joke. I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable that uh, from our perspective that uh, people would fear, or if, if they think under the, what their concept is of socialism, and that they would think that the Democrats and Obama would fit under that category just because he made a one statement or a phrase about uh, redistribution of, uh, of the wealth. Uh, he's uh, probably more of a capitalist than John McCain. Uh, he uh, has embraced uh, the capitalist party. Uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans are capitalist party and have embraced the economic system that we're under right now. Uh, lock, stock, and barrel, and uh, he's received 25. Obama's received 25 million dollars from financial institutions, Wall Street uh, uh, corporate entities, uh, and probably half of his 600 million dollars, I believe, uh, it comes from high rollers, uh, big uh, contributions of uh, you know thousand, two thousand, forty-six hundred dollars. Uh, twice over in the primary and in the general election. Uh, he, he embraces a healthcare system that's broken and, and still depends on the private insurance companies. Uh, he embraces a military where he wants to increase the size of the military in, in Afghanistan and threatens Pakistan and Iran. Um, he, he voted for the bailout, uh, which is, uh, from our perspective, uh, going to be another failure because they don't go all the way, and they're they're allowing the federal government and the uh, the capitalistic system uh, to uh, continue their their control of the economy, and put they're basically putting the wolf back in the hen house. You know, I actually stumbled across something, if you'll permit me, uh, when I was just what I was studying about the Federal Reserve, and a, a Canadian president. I don't know how long ago was actually quoted as stating that um, his solution to the problem of the federal central bank in Canada getting out of hand was he just nationalized it. I assume that's kind of your answer to the problem there, too, isn't it? That is correct. We we think that uh, we should nationalize the, the financial institution and basically develop a independent uh, uh, banking authority that's socially owned uh, by uh, economists and accountants and consumers and uh, people that are concerned about the spiraling costs of taxation in our country. Uh, we should also, and it should be democratically administered so that, that decisions and policy decisions are made by these group of individuals representing citizens in the country as opposed to the elite on Wall Street and in uh, Morgan Stanley and uh, Goldman Sachs and uh, Bank of America and, and Citibank and so forth. Uh, 
Okay. And we should depend on uh, cooperatives and uh, credit unions and state government-run banks and not depend on the private sector, which has been involved in all this fraudulent activity, and it's just to rip off the consumer so they can make a big gain. Okay. Um, actually, one of my listeners has just asked, uh, basically, could you, especially since there obviously is a difference as far as you're concerned between you know the Democrats and yourself, um, you know, in your party, uh, what would you, how do you define socialism yourself? What is your definition? Socialism, uh, well, we believe in a radical systemic change in our society, transforming our economy from a capitalistic system to a socialist system, and that means eliminating for-profit corporations and turning over ownership and control and the decisions for productivity to the workers uh, and the citizens, for example, uh, turning over the petroleum industry or the airline industry or the automobile industry, uh, entertainment industry, uh, all over to to uh, the workers in those uh, particular industries and the citizens uh, as well. And uh, it would be a nonprofit venture, but decisions would be made in a very democratic fashion from the bottom up as opposed to capitalism, where decisions are made by a small group of elite people at the top down, and you take it or leave it. In fact, they intimidate you. They say, put up or shut up. Uh, you know, you either love us or, or you know, either with us or against us, as, as Bush put it with regard to the war. So it's uh, capitalism is very uh, autocratic and very authoritarian, bordering on fascism. Socialism, on the contrary, is very, very democratic because it allows the workers and the citizens to participate in the decision-making process and controlling uh, the outcome and deciding whether a product or a service is beneficial to the community, to the country, and to mankind, and whether a product will be detrimental to our natural resources like air and water and land. So... Um, uh, that's how uh, socialism would differ from from capitalism, and uh, or the Democrats uh, in a way which embrace capitalism. Remember, capitalism is is based on uh, the profit motive, making money. And if it makes money, it's good. If it doesn't make money, it's bad. And they don't worry about their impact upon uh, the air and the water and the sea as much as I, I would believe that socialism d does. Uh, we believe in uh, communal responsibility and, and our obligation to our fellow man. Capitalism believes in self-interest, getting ahead, uh, taking the initiative, ambition, uh, almost bullying, uh, winning, being number one, beating the other guy, making your money on the backs of the other person. And socialism is based on uh, communal egalitarianism, uh, uh, communal re uh, responsibility, uh, trying to uh, develop a society where the quality of life is beneficial to everybody and that we do not end up with a class society. We, we, right now we have the, the rich and the middle class and the poor, and we want to eliminate those classes. We want to eliminate basically the, the, wealth, the, the, the wealthy rich and the, and the, dirt, and the dirt poor and have a class society where uh, your ratio of earnings uh, maybe can be 5 to 1 or 10 to 1, but not 100 to 1 or 1,000 to 1 or, or 5,000 to 1. 
as Bill Gates makes his billions and Alex Rodriguez makes his millions as a shortstop for the Yankees or uh, you know the uh, the the Hollywood stars that make forty million dollars a movie, right? And those that that uh, so that's the inequities that we oppose, and we we think differ and make us different from uh, capitalists. Okay, now I guess then I remember something you said during the debate that kind of rang out with me, and I've actually heard libertarians say the same thing was that. Uh, somebody said that they hoped that the Libertarian Party was at least as successful as the Socialist Party has been in affecting the policies of the two major parties. And when you talk about essentially how you feel that the Democrats have kind of taken socialism under their wing, even though they don't really they don't really represent it, um, you know, from any perspective of honesty, that kind of sounds to me like what Republicans are trying to do now by taking the con or claiming to take the concepts of the free market. Um, and all that under their wing, even though they really don't ever seem to bring that about when they finally get into office. I mean, that, does that sound concurrent? I mean, do you understand where I'm coming from on Yes, that? definitely. In fact, not only that, but yesterday in the New York Times, uh, there was an article, and they had a subtitle, and it said, we're all socialists in a way with the economy in distress. In other words, when the wind blows and you're, you find you know, you're in difficulty, then Chrysler goes to the government for a bailout. The airline industry goes to the government for a bailout. Wall Street goes to the government for a bailout. So all of a sudden now, uh, well, you know, uh, we're capitalists, but we do need a little infusion of socialism temporarily just to get us back on our feet, and then we'll take over again. You know, I mean, it's such a self-interest, selfish uh, attitude, and it's hypocritical, and, and they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. And uh, so well, you're never going to get any debate from me on that. I mean, it's definitely it's <laughs> socialism for the rich and nobody else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what was that great phrase that Reagan had about uh, Wall Street? Uh, what was it, whores or something, or witches or something like? There was some great expression he used about even him. We, he was critical of Wall Street when the when the financial. I can't remember it now, but I'm sure somebody can remember Well, you know, I, just in, in commenting about that, something really maddening occurred to me the other day was that the, the bailout is not just bad, you know, from a strictly right perspective. It's also a kick in the face to the left perspective because essentially these companies knowingly practice predatory lending practices. They knew they were lending this money to people who could not pay it back. Right. taking advantage of their dreams and the things that these people wanted. Right. And then in exchange for that, they based now the only negative to that whole scheme would be that then they had to, you know, they have to foreclose on all that property and they don't get their money back. So now the way things are going with this bailout as I understand it is now they get to have their cake, which is the property and eat it too, which is the money. And Right, and that, that was my point about the putting only people who get blown out of the water are the poor. Just about. That's exactly right. So what's new, right? What is new? I mean, we have a system that rips you off, okay, that, that is selfish and greedy and makes a profit on the backs of your fellow man. That's the that's what we're saying that, hey, you know, come on now, let's admit it. Capitalism is selfish. It's self-interest, okay? It's me, me, me. And it's whoever can make, take the best of it, take advantage of it, beat the other guy, then you win. And that's, you know, so you're entitled to it. That, that's the whole the self-interest concept that, that, that America promotes and pushes as the ideal in America is false. It's not fair and it's not right and, and uh, it's not just. 
and, you know, for us to kid ourselves and to believe that it protects democracy or it is a democratic uh, system is not right either. It's a very, very autocratic and very authoritarian system, and it's bordering on fascism because they pass laws like the Patriot Act and FISA and the military tribunal rule, and they allow Bush to, uh, uh, you know, execute his executive orders. And you have both major parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, who are participating in this in this support and process. You know, they're responsible for this condition in our in our country. You know, they're they, they're the ones that have embraced capitalism uh, full full bore, and uh, they take the money from them. They go to bed with them, and now they pretend to be socialists or socially conscious or. Uh, distributing the wealth and what hypocrites what it's just so hypocritical uh it's just uh, have they no shame you know have they no shame i mean yeah, i don't i don't really see too many people in the democratic party that are really personifying what you're talking about i mean i'd say uh, well our break is coming up i'll talk to you for the break Playing it down for Revolution Broadcast. I'm running for Congress in Nevada District 1. If you want freedom, better vote for me, son. A bloated government is losing its clout like Gwen Stefani. I have no vaccine, guns, and butter overseas. We'll leave us eating macaroni and cheese. These beats are stale and my rhymes are thin. Donate to my campaign and I'll never rap again. Now pay attention because I'll only say it once. I'm down with Ron Paul and I'm down with Carl Bunch. David Isbell. Lace the track. Kelvin Atkinson is Now let's bring down the evil empire. Yo, 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 bring that beat back. I want to shout some holler down. Hey, GOP, what's up, party people? Props to Arden Osborne in the NLA. Daily Paul, down with you. Andy Beamer, Jim Forsyth, all the sneaky hippies in New Hampshire. Las Vegas beat up. Neo at ronpaulchat.net. Mr. Marie Joseph, my good girl. Chris Robertson, Andrew Brownson, all the homies at the GOP. I'm Chris Dyer, and I approve this message. Congress became a voter to pass the Military Commissions Act to reauthorize the USA Patriot Act, both which have abridged the freedoms we cherish. It is for this very reason we are losing our freedoms. I'm Brian Green, independent candidate for Congress, and I approve this message. In Congress, I fight to protect the Constitution and to ensure limited constitutional government. Visit Brian Green at the Freedom Factor at www.briangreen08.com. Hey, listen up. Join Revolution Broadcasting and Restore the Republic on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Keep America Free with Amanda Moore. Amanda's a conservative talk show host with a libertarian twist. She's mad as hell, and she's not going to take it anymore. And neither should you. Join us and help keep America free. That's Wednesday nights, Friday nights, and Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And let freedom ring. Hey, you, I'm talking to you. Delia Lopez, Republican Congressional Candidate, District 3, Oregon. Delia Lopez will secure our borders. Delia Lopez will fight for a balanced budget and shrink the size of government. Delia Lopez will fight to stop the encroachment of our civil liberties that are being stripped away from us by our acting members in Congress. This November, vote Delia Lopez. DLopezforCongress.com. DLopezforCongress.com. Got something you want to get off your chest? Or something wonderful you want to shout about to the world? Well, send it to me, because I'm Rex Brocky, the host of Rants and Raves with Rex on Revolution Broadcasting. Every day at 5 p.m. Eastern, or every weekday at least. 
You can tune in and hear the best and the worst in the news of these very interesting times we live in. Rants and Raves with Rex on Revolution Broadcasting. I'm here with Brian Moore, Socialist Party candidate for President of the United States. I apologize for the abruptness of that break there, Brian. Um, That's quite yeah, all right. I was uh, in the statement actually I was making is that I don't really think there's an awful lot of um, uh, Democrats that I'm aware of that really are upholding the ideals that you're talking about, that socialism being motivated to try to take care of the people. Um, I have met some. I mean, I'd say um, perhaps Dennis Kucinich. I don't know what your opinion is of him. Um, uh, Mike Gravel, uh, before he became a libertarian, and you know, even sort of afterwards, basically, he still believes in socialized health care. Um, what is your opinion of people like Dennis and Mike Gravel? Well, I like them very much. I like what they, I like their boldness and their their approach and their honesty, and their willingness to confront the issues head on. Uh, up to, uh, but up to a point, especially with Dennis Kucinich. Then when push comes to shove, uh, four years ago, you know, he went all the way and then when he lost, he embraced John Kerry and John, and John Kerry wasn't against the war like he was. Uh, so I think he's really loyal ultimately to the party, uh, and he's put the party over principle. And, uh, you know, I would have rather, and he's basically, I guess he feels he can do more good within the party than, than outside the party, so he's unwilling to bucket. Uh, he'll be outspoken up until a point. So uh, I fault him for that. And um, Gravel, I admire him. His outspokenness in the debates was terrific. Uh, I don't, I don't really find fault with him at all. Uh, so uh, well, he certainly never towed the party line. <laughs> yeah, he certainly didn't. Right. Um, but, you know, there's a point I, I would like to make about uh, switching over now from the issue of Obama and the Democrats and, and uh, this false uh, impression that they're socialists at heart or they're going to turn the country into a socialist uh, uh, system. And that is is that socialism is not big government, okay? People think, oh, my God, socialism, they're going to turn it over to the government. It's going to be... We believe in decentralizing the government, okay? It's the citizens and the workers who are in control and make the decisions, set the policy from the ground up. And that's a real democratic approach. We contract, we hire, we tell the government people that they are public servants and they are to implement what the citizens decide upon and, and agree to. 
So uh, we're not going to... Socialism is not a big government. It's not an authoritarian government. It's not a centralized government. It doesn't believe in a, in a heavy-handed military. In fact, we want to reduce the military. We think the military is obsolete. All right, we think we could uh, threaten another country with a, with a big bomb. You know, these bombs are so powerful they could obliterate a country in in, in a moment. Uh, not that we want to, or nor do we want to threaten people with that ability. But my my point is is that the the military is really not as as necessary as the military industrial complex uh, purports to be. So we end up having this war on drugs and war on poverty and war on terrorism just to justify the existence of the military. Uh, we, we fund uh, the Defense Department and the Pentagon and, and all these other entities when we really should be eliminating all of our military bases overseas, reducing the size of our, our military, and, and treating foreign countries in a more equitable uh, uh, situation and not protecting our corporate and economic interests. That's what's got us into trouble. And that's what's created the threats to our safety and our well-being is to, is to uh, offend and insult and disrespect uh, the, the Middle East countries and, um, and, and, and other third world countries where we, uh, we are there for the profit motive and, and not uh, uh, a, a joint effort to improve humanity. And that's what socialism, I think, brings to the table. Okay, well, that, I, I understand where you're coming from there, and I, I'd say it so far it looks like my listeners are satisfied. Um, it, looks like <laughs> I might, it looks like I might have a caller. Let me find out if I do. Okay. Um, hello? Uh, are you there? Oh, yes. Blog uh, Talk, yes. Talk Radio caller, did you have a question? Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much for taking my call and such a great, uh, great uh, uh, host you have. Uh, uh, I, I want to ask, are you affiliated with the World Social website, WSWS.org? Are you the same candidate or are you the different ones? With what, with what uh, website? I'm not sure I heard that. World Social website, WSWS.org. I don't think we are. No, we're we're the uh, the socialistusa.org. Okay. Oh, but so so what is the world socialist website? They have also their candidates too. So what's the difference between you and their candidates? And uh, I believe uh, that they are also running for uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Congress. Um, yeah, you're talking about a. There, there is another socialist party um, in the United States, if I remember correctly. Is that what you're it's referring the ICFI. to? ICFI. It's, it's okay. ICF. It's published by International Committee of the Fourth International. ICFI. If you go right now, W, w like whiskey, S like Sam, W like whiskey, S like Sam dot org you will see that they always have a good news information i mean but uh, so so you are not associated with them but but uh, do you endorse them or not no uh no we're uh, we're the socialist party usa and our website is socialistparty-usa.org all right socialistparty-usa.org 
that's uh, and we're the descendants of uh, Eugene Debs, uh, and uh, you know there there are other socialist parties and countries that claim to be socialist, but the trouble is is that any and national socialists, which are really fascist regimes, uh, very anti uh, and they're, they're anti-Semitic or they're they're, they're uh, discriminatory in their approach to uh, uh, races in our society. So we have to be careful that uh, some socialist parties are are to the left, but there are some that are to the right and very very uh, hardliners. And so uh, it's uh, I think that's what contributes to the confusion sometimes of people trying to assess what a socialist is. Yeah, right. you see, well, they have this. They have a SCP public meeting in Ann Arbor, New York, and California, 70th anniversary of the Fourth International Socialism and Future of the Humanity. I mean, will you attend the, the, their uh, conference or not? No, I have not attended their conference, uh, and I can I I really am not familiar with what you're referring to, so I, I really can't answer that. But if you want to give me a call, go into my website, votebrianmoore.com, and uh, send me an email or uh, make a phone call, and we can Actually, explore together that way. I'm a taco show. I can bring you to my uh, taco show, too, and so I can ask you a lot of questions as well, too. But, you know... I, I expose you to. I have a different kind of show, different place. So. Uh, okay. Very I mean, good. Well, thank you very I much. Mean, um, get a hold of Mr. Moore on his website, caller, and uh, thank you for calling in. So repeat again, please. Repeat the, his website, or, or 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 can I go to that that one? Um, yeah. Go ahead and repeat it one more time, Mr. Moore. VoteBrianMoore.com. I'll type it in the chat for my blog talk as well, but it's votebrianmore.com. Votemorebrian.com. Okay. No, no, no. Votebrianmore.com. Or else you can just go in Google, say, you know, a socialist presidential candidate or Brian Moore for president, and it'll bring it up also. Oh, okay. I will go through that, then I got it. Okay. Thanks. Sure, sure. Sure. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I noticed you have a uh, an accent. Uh, where are you from? I'm from United States. I mean, okay, I, I, but I, what's your heritage? My what's your heritage? Middle East. Oh, Middle East. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We were just curious. No, 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 well, I lived uh, eight or nine years in Latin America, and I was all set to speak speak Spanish with you. <laughs> yeah, I speak Spanish too. Hola, cómo está? Mucho gusto. Viva socialista. Y muy bien, gracias. Igualmente. Hasta luego. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Adieu. Thank bye you bye. very much, caller, and I um, thank you for calling in. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that was interesting. Um, all right. You know you know what I've noticed, Neil, that a lot, in a lot of the talk shows, uh, foreigners are less hesitant to call in than Americans. Yeah, I believe it. Um, you ever notice that? 
Well, I actually used to have a um, a guy from Holland as my co-host, so yes, I have seen that. Um, you know, they're really uh, they're accustomed, I think, to more participation in their society. They have a sense of uh, of having some control over their their lives, and uh, you know, and also that they that the societies in other countries are much more open to alternative ideas, multi-party systems. I mean, even socialism, I mean, almost in every country around the world, it's commonality to have a socialist party. But here in the United States, it's, my God, you know, it's a nasty image. Oh, it's communism. It's anti-patriotic, uh, the red baiting. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, the two-party system or else. I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's an unhealthy environment, a political system that we have, and yet we think we're the greatest uh, the greatest system, uh, you know, since uh, since bread. <laughs> well, no, I, I get where you're coming from, and even I feel that, um, and I've talked to some of my friends about this, because as you know, you know, being uh, from Senator Mike Gravel's perspective on libertarianism on a lot of things, uh, he suggests that we should have a referendum system um, to balance out our republic. Um, I'm totally behind more democracy as long as it is, it is limited by a constitutional you know, republic, essentially, in that we've got to make sure that the majority cannot make laws that, you know, that essentially you know, go after the minorities. Um, mm -hmm. but, it's, but we're now in a situation where our republic, in my opinion, as a minority, because our republic is made up of like, essentially the rich elite, um, which represent 0.0000176% of the population, only two of which do I have any trust for, meaning Congressman Ron Paul and Congressman Dennis Kucinich. The rest of the system is pretty much all basically a, a tyranny of the minority. We have the rich minority essentially controls everything. Um, and they, I, don't, I don't despise all rich people, but when you consider the fact that essentially our uh, congressional seats are completely up for, you know, up for grabs, if you've got the money, you're going to get it. I mean, my opponent uh, in my own congressional run, uh, run for you know running for Congress in Michigan's 10th district, she gets like all kinds of money from Halliburton and big companies, and you know as a result she votes for every you know every vote on the war to stay in Iraq that comes across her desk, you know, and that's that's where we run into a problem where I don't feel that our republic, at least at this time, is sufficient enough to you know to keep us free because the only other options really are to either make it illegal for um, people to donate to campaigns and essentially socialize or nationalize all campaign funding or to add a referendum system so that and a recall system so that when our politicians are being out of line that we do something about it. I mean I think it's pretty absurd that the people are essentially paralyzed and have to put up with four years of George Bush if his approval rating is dropping below thirty percent. That's ridiculous. We're paying this guy's salary. You know, I mean that's that's why I'm not afraid of democracy so long as we make sure that there are provisions in place to protect the minority. And it almost seems to me like we need referendums and democracy to protect the majority, um, because at this point, uh, basically, it, it, was, it wasn't that hard for, the, for the, uh, the elites to get in and take control of our government. And we're fighting to try to get it back, but you know, it's a really uphill battle. And the more they tank the economy, the less money we have to give to candidates who might actually be, you know, that, that might be for us. I mean, it's, it's a miracle that we got as much money as we did to Ron Paul, but all the people who did that are basically tapped out now. I mean, they don't have any more money. You can't get them to do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, anything like what they did before. Well, when do, you think it, when do you think it happened, Neil? When do you think that the, that, that the change occurred? 
Well, um, I honestly, you have to remember coming from the perspective that I do, I've studied the Constitution and when it was ratified, and there was an awful lot of sneaky stuff going on um, uh, at the very beginning. I mean, like the right. whole story about uh, how, you know, for example, the reason we don't have democracy referendums in our government is because um, essentially, if you remember, when the Constitution was ratified, uh, the, basically, we used to do things through like town hall meeting, you know, democratic vote. Like if you if you watch the movie The Patriot, they did that to determine whether or not they were going to go into the, you know the Revolutionary War or not. Right. Um, we're going to be coming up in a break. I'll catch you afterwards. Okay. Beyond treason comes a new tale of deception and political spin. We're not mining through the personal lives of millions of innocent Americans. What if legislation that was supposed to protect our freedoms actually took them away? What if you could be arrested for asking a question? What if the government could monitor your communications? and break into your home. Well, they punch me in the face. Will you resist? Or will you freely surrender your liberties? Welcome to the new American dream. Did you know that a family of four earning 42000 pays nothing in federal income taxes but loses more than $6,000 to federal payroll taxes? 80% of wage earners lose more to payroll taxes than income taxes. Politicians should not ignore a tax that imposes such an oppressive burden, especially on the working poor and middle class. This is Eric Schonsberg, a libertarian candidate for U.S. Congress and a professor of economics. I'm running against Baron Hill and Mike Sodrell, and I approve this message. Maybe knowing something about economics would be useful? Don't waste your vote this time. Vote Schonsberg on November 4th. HempUSA.org is now offering free shipping worldwide to better serve our customers. Our goal is to get these fine hemp products to you in the least amount of time so you can enjoy what the powder seeds and oil can do for you. HempUSA.org has a warning that the U.S. food supplies are dangerously low, and we urge you to protect your family with hemp storable foods today. Tomorrow may be too late. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. This incredible food source is loaded with enzymes so your body can digest the food you eat. And it creates an alkaline environment where cancer can't grow and parasites cannot live and brings funguses, viruses, and bacterial levels down and to a halt. Try our powder seeds and oil today. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. If the body has the proper nutrition, it will heal itself. Ask yourself. Why does our government not allow this crop to grow in the U.S.? This product is also great for pets and animals. Call 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. 
hi, this is uh, Senator Jefferson Smith, and they made a movie about me a long time ago called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, about a naive young man that knew everything about American history and unfortunately very little about American politics. But you can do it for real, not in the fantasy of a movie, by sending a wiser, stronger, tougher Senator Smith back to Washington. His name is Ron Paul. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your I'm still with Socialist Party presidential candidate Brian Moore. Um, you still with us, Brian? I am. Okay. Well, the point I was getting at is, is that my own studies of the Constitution, essentially, when you're talking about when did it start, um, well, as it was actually somebody was nice enough to give me the actual statistics, but um, uh, when they put up the uh, Constitution uh, via referendum in the state of Rhode Island, okay, it failed 90% to 10%, and the reason for that was slavery. Uh, the people of Rhode Island did not want slavery in the Constitution. Um, and, and essentially, after that, they got rid of the whole system, uh, or at least they never basically went to the people anymore about it because they knew it would never happen. Uh, the, the majority of the, uh, the founding fathers you know, didn't really like slavery either, but they were essentially being blackmailed by the southern states whose economy was completely dependent on slave labor, that they would not ratify or join the Union in the event that they could not have slavery. So um, it, when did it start? I mean, I would say that the, there, there are founding fathers who definitely meant well, but there was certainly a system in place already that was going to create a, you know, a situation where the elite controlled what we had. Um, and that's you know, essentially what the rich you know, it did at the time was they influenced the, the, um, the system to create this delegate system, which is essentially almost like an electoral college. It, it's basically... Um, they created the system of, well, we're going to go to these various states and we're going to elect delegates who are going to attend the Constitutional Convention. And don't worry, it'll be more efficient and, you know, they'll, they'll represent you, it'll be fine. And the end result was slavery in the U.S. Constitution. Um, so I guess it, that's, that's my answer to the question is, is that, you know, especially as Mike Gravel pointed out, the Constitution is definitely a good start. But as far as when the elite started to take hold over our system, I think it goes all the way back to the very beginning. I think so, too. And uh, if it wasn't slavery, it's another economic interest, you know. I mean, and right now I think we're dealing with um, the military uh, economic interest. And well, yeah, I actually read a really good book that I would advise to all the listeners and to you, Brian. Um, it was called Addicted to War. When you look at it initially, it looks like a kid's book because it is a comic book. But it basically details how this concept of the militarism is not new by any means. I mean, like, for example, we talk, we laud 
uh, Andrew Jackson for being the guy to get rid of his central bank, but he was also the person who signed into law the Indian Removal Act. Um, we have a long history in our, you know, essentially, other than, like I say, the war in 1812 and the Revolutionary War, almost all of our wars or military deployments were in some way motivated by a corporate interest that wanted to take advantage of it, whether it be the fruit interests, the oil interests, uh, you know, and it, you know, there's always some boogeyman that they need to motivate the military again. Whether it was those red savages, they were going to right. get us. You know, yeah. uh, obviously the Cherokee Nation that had completely civilized was somehow a threat to somebody. That's absurd, but you get my point. Um, and, and I would basically say, uh, you know, once again, you know, uh, was there anything else that you didn't get an opportunity to cover that you'd like to go over now? Not really. No. I mean, I just think that. Uh... Um, you know, I've been enjoying this uh, conversation, and we've been kind of rolling along. Okay. So, uh, uh, well, I'm, con- I'm, well, I'm totally willing to continue that. I was just wanted to make sure you had a right, you know, had an opportunity to say everything you needed to say. I did. I got out what I wanted to say uh, on uh, uh, this. Uh, you know, this uh, free market uh, concept. Uh, it's such a blind uh, uh, faith. Yeah, it's just so illogical that people put the, a sort of a blind trust in it, like it's going to work itself out. There's no logic to it. I don't understand why uh, Americans have so long uh, been loyal to a a system that uh, you know doesn't 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 make sense. Okay, uh, and it really involves a, a risk and a gamble. And a kind of a blind faith on on the part of people. So uh, um, the fact that we've uh, been under this also, I think we're on the verge of a, of a watershed. Okay, I really do think that the, that there's time for a big change uh, coming, and it's going to come sooner than we think. Uh, we keep everybody says, "Oh yeah, America, yeah, we'll we'll." we'll We'll bail out the, uh, the the private sector, and we'll get back on our feet, and, and uh, the stock market will go up, and we'll get back to normal again. But I don't think that's going to happen. I really well, think we're at a plateau here. I definitely here. agree with you, at least in the perspective that there are certainly some flaws in the way that it's being executed at this time. But the most free markets, would, you know, free marketeers would tell you, is that because we don't have one, it isn't working. Um, I have pointed this out because, for example, there is a Ron Paul Democrat whose name is Bob Conley running for Senate. Um, and he talks about some things that are, you know, in some cases, you know, like regulations and such, because he is a Democrat. He, he hints at that. And one of the things that I, I kind of had to play damage control for was the fact that I needed to point out that you cannot just throw a lever at this point and just free up the market and deregulate everything. You know, if, if somebody has cancer, you don't grab a butcher knife and a cleaver and go at it and, you know, expect that that's going to fix things. I mean, you, you have to take somebody who absolutely knows what they're doing. I would recommend somebody like Peter Schiff or Ron Paul um, to take a precise instrument, you know, like a scalpel and, you know, and go in and deal with the problem. You know, I mean, when you think about the fact that, for example, there were people who, de- you know, basically campaigned on I'm going to deregulate the media. Um, so people got behind them, and while that really happened, the only thing he did deregulate is he deregulated how much one person could own of the media. And so that enabled people like Rupert Murdoch to just buy up vast quantities of the media, and now he, you know, it's not even a question anymore. He controls the media, like, you know, huge mm-hmm. quantities of the media. And that's, in my opinion, that's just as much of a threat to national security as anything else. He can make sure that, you know, he can't necessarily pick the president, but he can generally pick who's not going to be president. You know, um, 
And then just like even if they do let you guys on, like third-party candidates, like I watched your interview not long ago. Um, I think it was on Fox. I could be wrong, but the guy interrupted yeah, you. Like, yeah, he interrupted you like every five seconds. And like the whole time <laughs> I'm like, wow, you're a real idiot. You know, just it was like, what kind of journalist are you? He wasn't interested in doing anything really other than talking over top of you. And I just was like, you know, what exactly is anybody going to learn from this interview other than that you're an idiot? You know, that's, I mean, it's, that, that's pretty common. You know, I've seen also, I mean, uh, not even just from them. I mean, recently um, uh, the guy, Peter Joseph, who did the movie Zeitgeist and Zeitgeist Addendum, was on Alex Jones. And um, so they're debating, and Alex Jones just starts talking over top of him and acting like a total thug. And I lost all respect for Alex Jones at that point because he started making fun of the guy like he was like like a little kid, you know, throwing mm-hmm. verbal spit wads at him on the radio. I'm like, you know, I didn't <laughs> log on to listen to this crap. You know, if, you, if you're really confident in your beliefs, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to attack people. You shouldn't have to talk over people. Well, you know, in all fairness to Cavuto, though, I mean, he did treat me with uh, with respect and civility, and in the end, actually, I thought he was pretty sheepish, and he said, you know, you, you know you're uh, you must be pretty happy with the way things are going. I said, well, yeah, we we really are. We just need to take it a little bit further and take full control over there. But we we debated back and forth. But in the end, he said, well, you may have a point that it may be we may be becoming more socialistic. I mean, he kept he kept conceding. Okay, so uh, he did. He he was. You, I I felt he was pretty humble, pretty humble guy. And despite the fact that he did interrupt me. Uh, he, he was a humble host, okay? And I was, I feel very good about the, the two exchanges we had. I think one was on the 4th and the other was on the 14th. And, uh, no, you know, no other national, uh, 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 television host has invited us on. So, you know, I mean, not just because he's done that uh, is it going to compromise me, but I thought he did it with dignity and civility and, and uh, and humility. So uh, I felt uh, that he gave us a great opportunity to present our concept, and and I'm hoping for more because, my God, every everywhere you look, every day now this week, everybody's talking about socialism. I mean, it may not, it may be in a negative context, but you know, Obama's a socialist, the McCain's calling him a socialist, you know, or the, the government's bailing out the Wall Street, you know, they're acting like socialists, you know. I mean, it's uh, Joe the plumber. You know, Joe the plumber hates it. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't want to help. You know, from the socialists. You know, are we becoming socialists? My God, we couldn't have asked for a better time, uh, despite this difficulty, to promote and to question and to to wonder about. You know, what 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 is going on with capitalism? What the heck is? You know, are we on the verge of collapse? You know, I mean, are we teetering, you know? I mean, it's really, uh, people are beginning to wonder. And, you know, and I think that everybody has a has sort of a socialist bent to them, uh, and they won't concede it unless they have to, but some people are being forced to the wall, and they are conceding it. So, uh, well, you, you know, know there, there's something to, going on. I have to agree with you also in that, like, uh, the Libertarian Party, actually, you know, on our side of things, we used to think it was really funny because they would they would call Ron Paul libertarian mm-hmm. um, it, it, as actually meant to be a negative, hokey kind of thing because they were trying to give negative press, and all they really did was bring a bunch of attention to our party because people wanted to know what it meant. 
Um, I mean, I'd say, unfortunately, Bob Barr kind of screwed the pooch, so to speak, by alienating every Ron Paul supporter there is. You know, but the point is, though, is that, um, uh, you know, and by some of our takes, some of us think he did it on purpose. I can tell you, having been somebody who was on the LP convention floor, I cannot imagine exactly that he would just be making this mistake, you know, uh, you know, by accident, because the, the whole thing they told us when we were going to nominate that Nimrod was, oh, but he's going to get all the Ron Paul people. He's an ex-Republican, you know, and they even they even waged their campaign to look like Ron Paul's. The signs all looked like Ron Paul's and everything. It was, you know, and they, they did this little parade during the uh, when the delegates were voting, and they actually got booed for it. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the point though that I'm getting at is, is that I I think that um. You know, when it comes to, you know, are we asking questions? And yes, we definitely are. Um, and, and when you talked about the, the essentially the fanatical, you know, uh, following of the free market, um, I understand also uh, this is something that I'm concerned about just about the, the movement in general is we are getting to the point where we are becoming a new breed of sheeple, so to speak. Me, you know, because if you dare say anything contradictory to X or Y, then they're right. going to jump all over you. Uh, oh, yeah, you're either with us or against us. And that whole attitude is the reason why we can't unify, um, you know, and it's the reason that we're never effective. I mean, that's, that's, I think, what Ron Paul was trying to achieve with his press conference when he invited, you know, Cynthia McKinney and Ralph Nader, you know, to the same press conference that he invited Chuck Baldwin and Bob Barr to, was to say, well, there are these, these four points. These are really important. They're more important than anything else that we could probably deal with at the moment. Can we at least agree on this? And then get everybody to vote third party. You know, and that's actually a... During the debate, I don't remember which one of the independents, but one of the other two candidates had said, "You know, we need to have a, you know, have a need to have um basically like a third round, so to speak. We need to just get what would happen if everybody voted third party. Everybody voted third party. You know, just just totally told the other two parties to just to stuff it. You know, and even if it wasn't for any one party, just the notion that people could do that. You know, and just not vote for one of the majority. That you know, they would do their best to try to cover it up. And no matter what the electoral college that's picked by them would figure out who they wanted to be president, but it would certainly shake things up. You know, and I think that you know, as you pointed out, you know, it, even if it's just for their own selfish interest, the the major parties do pick up a lot of the things from the third party. You know, movement. You know, that's that's basically. Well, of course. I mean, you know, when we advocated a forty-hour work week a hundred and ten years ago, then you know, and workers' comp and unemployment insurance, you know, Roosevelt and the Democrats embraced it in the thirties, uh, but they weren't around twenty or thirty years before that. But Neil, I, I'd like to take issue with you on on Ron Paul's uh, invitation to Cynthia McKinney and Nader and Barr to join their unity. You know, he did not invite me. He did not invite other third party candidates. He only invited uh, the people that uh, had uh, were on more states. Okay, just like this third party debate that they attempted to put off. A, a couple of days ago, and I think they're trying to organize it again in a couple of days. But you know, there's sort of a class. There's a class culture here now, where uh, you know, oh, we won't debate people that uh, don't have. Uh, uh, that are not on the states in more than 30 states, okay? Or uh, we'll, we'll we'll just invite the capitalists, the people that support capitalism, but not but not the socialists or or other uh, alternative economic systems. I mean, I, I really, I, I took offense, and I thought it was hypocritical. Uh, I was critical of uh, of uh, Nader and, and Barr and and uh, and McKinney 
for not coming to the alternative debate in uh, in Vanderbilt University in Nashville, uh, you know, two weeks ago, the night before the Belmont debate between McC- uh, McCain and and uh, and Obama. You know, you know, what's this? Uh, what's this division? What's this separation? What's this class? You know, I mean, they're using the same criteria that the presidential uh, commission used. Oh, you have to have 15 percent uh, of recognition, or you know, you can't come to the to the debates. Uh, I, I just think that it's it's an unhealthy sign, and uh, it, we're, you know, we're just still. Uh, not breaking out of this uh, this, this system of... Well, uh, well, no, I, I agree with you where you're coming from that. We had a lot of problems with the debate, for example, that we invited you to not long ago. Um, and it, what it amounts to is that it's, the, it's a campaign strategy that I should never, quote-unquote, debate down. Um, mm-hmm. I personally think it's absurd, and I think it's essentially selfish on the part of the candidates who have, you know, higher ratings. I'm, but you already know that I'm already big on... Hold on. Okay, now we're just on blog talk. Um, just to finish our points, though, uh, basically I'm already big on the concept that we just need to, you know, actually open forums and share ideas, mm-hmm. and you know, therefore to try to grow as a people. But you also have to remember that I'm, you know, although I'm a Libertarian Party member, I'm still an independent at heart. I don't let anybody make up my decisions for me. And when people are scared of ideas, then that to me exposes that they have a weakness. I mean, I, I, I'm experiencing it in my own candidacy right now. Candace uh-huh. Miller, you know, doesn't want to debate me. Not a chance in hell. Candace Miller is my opponent. Oh, okay, in your in your race, yeah. Yeah, and you know, she doesn't want to debate me. You know, she wouldn't debate Robert Dennison, who's the Democrat since 2003. You know, she doesn't debate anybody. She's inevitable. Why should she? You know, that's <laughs> you know. So that's no. I I know where you're coming from, and I I don't really know what was what Dr. Paul's specific motivation was, but you know, and as far as not inviting people, other than perhaps to say, you know, these people have enough possible electoral votes to win, you know, that's what they always say. Um, but, but I will tell you, I mean, as you saw, you know, we here at Restore the Republic were, you know, still willing to give you a voice and, you know, to bring you into the debate, you know, and we took a lot of flack from that. And uh, that also got us snubbed from, you know, some of the Nader people, um, got us snubbed from some of the bar people, um, you know, some of, I don't say all of them. Um, but, but you get the point. It, it just, you know, first of all, you have the media that's generally motivated by ratings. That's why they claim they have, you know, that's why they claim they do the things that they do. They're motivated by what? Ratings. Oh. You know, whether or not people are going to be interested in listening. And my problem with it is it's kind of a chicken or the egg argument. Because yeah. essentially, well, how is this guy ever going to get the full ratings if you never let him in? You know, um, mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura actually pointed out, you know, the reason that he won the governor it, governorship is because he started out. Um, he started out basically, you know, as a very minor candidate. They let him debate, and he won. You know, it was just yeah. like that. But um, thank you once again for being on the show, um, and I really appreciate having you on. And uh, you know, I hope that in the future we might be able to have you on again. And I still am interested in getting your vice presidential candidate on the show. Okay, great, Neil. Thank you so much. All right. Really appreciative of your uh, your offer for them participatory democracy. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brian. Okay. Bye. All right. Well, that was Brian Moore, the Socialist Party's candidate. Um, I think I still have a caller here. Caller? 
Are you on the air? I don't know. Did you put me on? <laughs> yes, I did. I'm sorry. We're in the, the very end of the show, but it'll keep going. Uh, I apologize for not being able to get to you earlier. Uh, what, what, what exactly? Did you have a question? No, I wanted to find out what his platforms were and how you were going to either rebut it or, or put in your information. It might be helpful for you to take a look at your switchboard every once in a while to find out who's on the call. Yeah, I actually only really started to get callers recently. Um, my show is based out of um, RestoreTheRepublicRadio.com, and I, I simulcast it here on the blog talk. Ah, um, okay. So, so you, don't, you, you can't readily see who's calling in then? Um, well, it depends on what's going on because because of the fact that I'm technically on like three different networks at the same time, uh -huh. I don't always have the switchboard up top. So please don't take that as a snub. I oh, apologize. Because okay. I've been waiting um, for over 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I'm just I'm basically I'm I'm on all different you know uh, like I'm trying to get the word out to as many people as possible. Blog talk. Also, it's, it's a good medium for the purpose of um, you know like you know recording these things so people could listen to them later. Right. Um, but I would urge you to, to check out Restore the Republic Radio. Um, it's basically rtrradio.com. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. While I was waiting, I took a look at the RTRR uh, from the chat room. And so I'm, I'm okay. here with the Freedom Spin starts here. I'm on the website. So oh, okay, take a look excellent. Um, and um, Brian Moore's website, I believe, is just brianmoore.com or uh, votebrianmoore.com. His name is spelled B-R-Y-A-N. Um, more is M O O R E. So, yeah, I won't be looking uh, at that site. I'm a libertarian, so I'm not interested in the in the social, you know, in in proactively taking a look at the Socialist Party right now. I have taken. A look oh at well, the no, the I'm a libertarian too. <laughs> I'm a libertarian too. That's why I do this show. Um, the majority of the uh, the programming you're going to hear on RTR Radio is libertarian as well. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're pretty much streaming all day. We have lots of big events. So if you're interested, you know, please feel free to tune in, and we have a chat room there. Um, okay. And there's a separate call-in number. I once again apologize that you didn't get to come in. I was not in any way trying to snub you. Um, and thank you for listening to my show. Um, it's just right, it's, no uh, I'm juggling a lot of things to be able to make sure that I get all this on multiple platforms. But, uh, but yeah, spread the word. I mean, uh, um, we were once revolutionbroadcasting.com. Uh, we're affiliated with the group that organized the recent Revolution March. Mm -hmm. uh, we are um, also now, we're getting ready to cover the debate that's coming up with uh, Nader versus Chuck Baldwin. Um, there, is an, uh, there is an awful lot of Constitution Party people here. Um, I'm not one of them, but um, <laughs> that, that yeah, kind of gives Constitution you the, Party people, a lot of people are for Chuck Baldwin as opposed to Bob Star, uh, Bob Barr. Barr. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but the Constitution Party bothers me in a certain as, um, in a certain way in that they they rely too much on the Christian belief, and I have a feeling that they're going not to really believe in the separation of church and state if they ever got into power. I actually wrote a report about that very subject. Um, I, I'm not voting for Bob Barr because his his voting record looks like he was in the Constitution Party. I mean, if you look at the fact that he. He went after the Wiccan religion in the military. He wasn't going to let people practice Wicca in the military. He doesn't, you know, he didn't approve of gay marriage. I mean, he was obviously having trouble with separation church and state himself. Um, but I actually don't even know who I'm going to vote for. I'm certainly not voting for Chuck Baldwin. But that gets me all kinds of flack on uh, on RTR radio. I just wanted to make sure you knew that it is not a Chuck Baldwin-dominated um, radio station. You're going to hear some, you know, some Chuck Baldwin hosts. But a lot of that just comes from the fact that. 
Bob kind of angered the Ron Paul movement. So, you know, they had actually offered me to just do a libertarian radio show the same way that they have a Constitution Party radio show coming up up next on RTR. Uh Um, And uh, I told them I would not be the best guy for the job because I I just don't like Bob Barr. Right. I don't (laughs) Um, think a lot of us do. I don't think a lot I of actually, Well, do. no, they don't, actually. I think he polls like 30% in the overall party. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I actually came to the – I actually um, – I'm the guy that got Senator Mike Gravel to join the Libertarian Party. Um, and although he's not a perfect Libertarian by any means, at least mm-hmm. he didn't ever try to lie to me about it. You know, he, <laughs> he yeah. didn't say, oh, yeah, I'm a Libertarian now. I'm completely reformed. He said, well, these are the things that I've always been Libertarian on. And by the way, I, I still think we're going to need social health care. That was his point. Mm-hmm. Um, I – he never asked me to agree with him about it, and he, he never told me to lie to anybody about it or mislead anybody about it. So as far as I was concerned, the guy was honest, and there was such a movement to try to have a big-named candidate, um, I decided to back up Mike. Um, before yeah. he came around, I was a libertarian-leaning independent. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, when I got him in the Libertarian Party, he kind of called my house and he said, all right, well, you got me into this, so you're going to come help me out. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know I joined the party and now I'm actually a I'm actually a libertarian candidate now for Congress uh in Michigan's 10th district. Uh-huh. So um but uh you're going to hear um I mean before the libertarian party uh like uh convention we had all of the libertarian party candidates uh except for Steve Cubby cuz I couldn't get a hold of him and Daniel Imperato cuz I didn't even know about him. Uh, like we had Christine Smith, we had Mary Ruard, we had Michael Jengozian, you know. We, I like we Mary Ruard, uh, Ruart, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm hope. I wish the Libertarian Party would actually get their act together because we have so much to offer, uh, as well as the Populist Party. I took a look at their platform, and they're um, practically mirror images of the Libertarian Party. I'll and, have to check that out. Are you yeah, familiar with the Boston Tea Party? No, the Boston Tea Party. That's something that Trevor Lyman did, didn't he? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't. Trevor Lyman has nothing to do with that. Um, Boston okay. Tea Party, I believe, was actually originally uh, dealt with like with Steve Cubby, but now um, we've got a candidate called Charles J. I don't know what state you're in. You may or may not be able to vote for him. You didn't get on the ballot in a lot of states yet. But the Boston Tea Party was kind of started back in 2004. It surged in popularity again when they nominated Barr. So um, mm. my suggestion to you would be to go to BostonTea.us um, and tech and CJ08. Dot com. Um, there are still troubles within the, the Tea Party, but um, overall, as far as like an actual Libertarian Party, that's that's where I went. Um, I'm actually up for national committee for the Boston Tea Party soon, and they don't. They basically have rules. You don't have to be exclusive. You can be part of that party and still be part of the Libertarian Party. Um, okay. But but that's basically what they're all about, and uh, I would strongly advise them. What was the party you talked about that you said was Libertarian? The Populist Party. It's a very good platform. They have a very good website. It's better than the Libertarian website. Okay, Populous.com. Populous, okay. I'll definitely check that out. Um, Yeah, I'll try to look at the Constitution Nation with uh, Travis Maddox. Yeah, he's a Constitution Party member, but he's one of the few that I can really get along with because although he is Christian, he's one of the guys who doesn't really agree with that part of the platform either. Um, and that's that's why I would say evaluate each individual Constitution Party candidate your, you know, like yourself because like for example Janie Germond is uh-huh. a con- con- you know congressional candidate in in uh, Oregon on the Constitution Party ticket and she's awesome you know mm-hmm. she's a really good candidate 
Um, but you know, that's why, I, but overall, I mean, I, I made it clear, I just can't get behind Chuck Baldwin because there's just too much stuff in the Constitution Party's platform that just, I mean, like they think that the, the First Amendment gives them the right to ban profanity. Yeah. Um, they think that, you know, the First Amendment gives them the right to ban pornography. That seems to be the major bugaboo of all the third parties. They all want to abide by the Constitution in theory, but they always want their ideas to be protected by the government. Which, right. is not what, which is not what we libertarians want. We want strict adherence to the Constitution. And I personally want that general welfare clause eliminated so that right. there is no debate, so that there is no uh, misunderstanding about what it means. Because technically, you can actually take a look at any of the actions and any of the bills that are not any of them, but a lot of the bills which are passed in Congress and say they're constitutional due to that general welfare clause. It's like okay. having a contract which is 150 pages, and you have all your um, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed, but you only have one little clause in the fine print that says this contract is null and void. That's like right. that's what the general welfare clause means. Because it, and even though Hamilton, I, I get Hamilton and Madison mixed up, and even though he, one of them had tried to downplay the fact that General Welfare Clause was in the Constitution, Hamilton, or Madison, whichever, was actually um, a person who believed in essential government. Publicly, he said one thing. Privately, he said another. And it might have been uh, both of them who might have been um, centralists. Uh, when you read the anti-federalist papers, that's when you get a real understanding of what the Constitution is all about, as opposed to reading the federalist papers. Yeah, I listened to Michael Badnerick's... Uh stuff about the Constitution all the time, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I also read Mike Gravel's notes about what happened when the Constitution was ratified. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that they don't tell us, and it's because it's not in their best interest to make us yeah. think that the Founding Fathers are anything but these, you know, these gods that nobody they can touch. Just, <laughs> yeah, they were just politicians. They were, they were just politicians. They weren't, they had feet of clay, and some of them had, only Thomas Jefferson, actually, was a person who really truly believed in the power to the people for the people. The other people. Yeah, he's certainly my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he was great. Even though he owned slaves, he was still great. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, the, the owning slaves was kind of a reality at that point, and he was nice to all of his slaves. It's still they were still slaves, but they were still you know, slaves. And I heard but, you, you mention. I heard you mention about um, the Indian something or other act. Oh uh, yeah, the Indian we, Removal Act. The yeah. Indian Removal Act. Yeah, and it, it does. Point, it does bother me that people don't understand that a lot of their heroes were also, you know, kind of on the other side of things. I mean, it's great that Andrew Jackson got rid of the central bank before the Federal Reserve, but he signed the Indian Removal Act into law. That's just that that stuff. Right. Right. Fascism. It is, let's go kill all these people and take their stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a dichotomy that's always been present with our, within our politicians. They've always done good and they've always done bad. And, mm -hmm. you know, most of the time, I've, um, I would like to debate a politician and ask him, okay, now that you're in Congress, you've been in Congress for about uh, five, six, seven, or eight years, how many, of, how many of your colleagues plus yourself have ever passed a bill simply because you knew it was right to do, based upon your observations about what's been going on in America that hasn't been um, productive for the American people? How many bills have you passed done just out of your own volition as opposed to money coming into your coffers through um, through special funds. And I'll bet you right. there has hardly been anybody in the, in, the, um, in the existence of the United States Congress that has ever passed a bill 
simply because they took a look uh, they took a look around and saw conditions which were detrimental to the American people. Right. You know. No. Yeah, I get it. No, I, and you know, honestly, um, it, it's becoming a bit of a problem because I mean, as I'm seeing right now, people are enshrining, you know, because like in the Ron Paul movement, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that I'm willing to talk out about Chuck Baldwin, well, mm-hmm. yeah, but he's got the stamp of approval of Ron Paul. How dare you? You know, it was yeah, like I yeah. was, you know, <laughs> like, how dare I? You know, we start to sound like the Marxists, like, oh, how dare you speak out against yeah. Karl Marx? You know, yeah. that that's the whole thing that people don't get. You know, what I learned from Ron Paul was to uh, think for my own self, you know, mm-hmm. make my own decisions and, you know, Debating about the Constitution should not be something that gets me in trouble. You know that that's. Mm. <laughs> but uh, you know, have you no, ever I read Harry Brown? Uh, I can't say that I have. If you've ever read Harry Brown, he makes the he made he, he was a libertarian. He was a libertarian party candidate in 2000 and 2004, and right. he's he's written numerous articles and a couple of books about the libertarian movement. And if you ever read him, you would just he just makes everything so simple. Sometimes Ron Paul. Uh, when he writes, especially about monetary policy, you, your eyes glaze over. Right. Uh, you know, but Harry Well, Brown, that is one thing I was hoping. I mean, when you, when you compare the, the differences between Ron Paul and Mike Gravel, mm-hmm. you know, um, Mike is, you know, I don't agree with everything Mike says, but, man, you, you can't ignore the guy because he's up in your face. <laughs> uh-huh. He's not afraid to say things that make people uncomfortable. Um, that, that can both help him and hurt him. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But, you know, finish telling me about this, Mr. Harry Brown. Well, go to harrybrown.org, and it's uh, with an E, Harry Brown with an E. And right. um, they'll, they'll have his books there, and I'll have links to his articles. And when you read them, because what he does, he writes very, very simply. He writes like a very intelligent eighth grader. So that right. when, you, when you read what, the first paragraph of whatever he's writing about, you understand what he's talking about as opposed to somebody just writing for the sake of their ego. So he was known for his clarity and his getting to the point. So when you read mm-hmm. that, he he makes everything about abortion, about the environment, about foreign policy, about Bush. He's dead now. He died uh, last year. Right. But um, you know, he just makes his point oh, very clear. Oh, didn't he run for president as a libertarian? He ran twice. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he had All a radio right, well, yeah. show and a TV show. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get them now for some. Well, there's no more funds coming in to keep the website up that had his um, archives up for the TV show. But the radio, the uh, radio archives are still around. I forget exactly what the uh, the URL is for that, but you know you can Google that and it will enlighten people. Because when he was on the um, campaign trail, when he had, he did over a thousand radio and TV interviews, and almost everybody who called in and asked him questions, they said. Um, yeah, well, you know, I think, you know, I, I it's just I just might vote for you because he just made things so simple. And it and it is very simple. Our philosophy you know that, is libertarians just get the fucking government out of everything. You know, just, that is a statement actually that um, you know, that I make during my campaign is that, you know, uh-huh. when you look at the constitution, it was not written to be all that complex. You know, <laughs> yeah. when I have to wade through the Patriot Act you know, oh boy, it, it's yeah. absurd. You know, it's it's just the way it's written is so ridiculous. It's obvious that they don't really want people to know what the hell's going on. Right. You know, it reminds me actually of a. Uh, it, it reminds me of um, you know, like what Brian, what uh, Badnarik says or Badnarik says in the beginning of his 
is, you know, debate. He's like, well, you know, we, we, you know, we don't want you to know your rights. You might actually know they're being, you know, you might they're, be, they're being usurped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't know if you don't read the Constitution to become familiar with it. I mean, there's a lot of things I had no idea about. I'm glad I listened to those those uh, things. I'm actually going to have him on my show eventually. Um, uh, but he's talking about the possibility of getting back into politics in 2012, and I really hope he does because mm. if we had had a good, strong candidate like that, you know, uh, during the, you know, that could have rode the wave of the Ron Paul revolution, the Libertarian Party would be doing much better. I mean, even Gravel would have been better than what we're dealing with Barr because Gravel's not an idiot, and he would have went to that press conference. He would be working with the Ron Paul people. He was open to talking to them before. We still would have had to hold our nose about this health care crap, but, you know, right. I'm a little bit yeah. more worried about civil liberties than I am about health care right now, and that that's something I had to tell people because... They people assume that I'm you know a socialist or something because I'll even talk to these people and I said no that's not really it I I'm, I'm prioritizing here uh, my neighbor having food stamps while being a concern is nowhere near as important to me as the Patriot Act the Iraq War the Iran you know the possibility of going to war in Iran and what I'm really worried about is that while we are and I actually think that's what happened at the LP convention to be honest because you uh -huh. know we got a neocon but we are so obsessed with socialism and fighting it, that the fascism is walking right in the back door. You know, and I, I see that that's what happened at the LP convention. I'm honestly concerned that that's kind of what's happening with Chuck Baldwin, because when uh -huh. you read the Constitution Party platform, there's fascism disguised as religion. You know, yeah. we're going to tell yeah. you what is acceptable to say. You know, we're going to tell you go. what is and is not acceptable to watch. Right. Does this sound familiar? You know, that's fascism. You know, I, and, I, and I made that point, and man, these people flip out when you, when you point it out, and they... They don't even want to talk about it. You know, like, how dare you? You know, once again, as I said previously, how dare you do that? You know, or the, the gay marriage issue. You're trying to tell me that that's not, you know, that, that somehow we can reconcile that gay people, you know, let, you know the, the best answer is let's just get the government out of, you know, marriage at all. But if there is such a contract available, the Constitution mm -hmm. is very clear. Any two people can contract, period. It's mm -hmm. none of your business at that point. Even Ron Paul said that, mm -hmm. you know, um, so, you know, but but the way that people act about it, and the way that they're willing to compromise on some of these issues, really bug me. I mean, a, socialism is a problem, but in comparison to me being allowed to do with my body what I want to do, and me being able to say what I want to say, you know, or watch what I want to watch, that's a little more important to me. You know, I mean, that that's why I was yeah. willing to you know along with it. I mean, it's why. What did this guy, this um, the socialist, what did he have to offer? Because I didn't hear the first half hour of the show, so I'm assuming that he had something to offer. Well, um, basically, uh, what I've gotten, because I've had them on the show twice, and they are archived if you want to hear them, and you can hear this one archived too. Uh, basically, what he was trying to clear up is that there is a difference, first of all, between uh, what, what, they, what, the, what his party, because there's, I think, two different socialist parties and a communist party in the United States. Uh -huh. uh, the big difference between their brand of socialism and what people have come to think of as socialism is that, first of all, that he doesn't really, you know, for the same reason that you and I obviously know that McCain is not preaching free market principles because he actually cares about it. He's mm -hmm. preaching it because, you know, that's you, what the party line lies uh, and says. Like and then he, sure. You know, yeah. and the, but the, basically the Democrats do, do the same thing with socialism. Mm -hmm. they, they say enough of it. They pay lip service to it. They don't really care about the people. And in that aspect, you know, that he was pointing that out, and he was also pointing out that the socialist term has a lot of bad, like, charge to it because of things like the National Socialist Party. Well, I heard that, but, I mean, what did he offer in terms of um, any type of platform that he thought might be either better than the libertarian platform or better than the Democratic or Republican platform that could, that could actually concretely help America? 
Did he say anything? Well, as far as comparison, um, he doesn't believe in the free market capitalist system, and he thinks that what we are what we are dealing with right now is an example of the failure of the free market capitalist system. Well, when, I, he when offered, I hear that, I tell people it's not it's not the free market system; it's the corruption of the free market system. Oh well, yo, no, I I get it, and I've I've said yeah. that. Um, well, my point, and this is something that Jefferson agreed about, and and Badnerick as a result, because he quoted it was the fact that every 200 years or so, every system needs to be cleaned out and redone because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a law of physics, of politics. Your governmental system is going to get infested with garbage, and you're going to have to clear it out. It's just like an oil filter. Right. You, know, you can't have none or your car won't run right. I mean, that's why I don't agree with anarchists. But, why you know, did, but well, you, why, so what did he offer? Put out the door. Right. I'm so sorry, did, go ahead. What did he offer? What did he say could be uh, would be the solutions to our problems? Today? He would want to. Well, he said that he wants essentially to nationalize uh, the most of that. You know? Jesus Christ! And I know you're not going to agree with it, but oh, the only God. reason, that, the only thing that I'll give him on this is that they are big on civil liberties. Um, they are big on people being allowed to do whatever they want to do, um, in, in that aspect. And they're they're big, really big on the rights of workers. It, it really is. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a labor union party in that aspect, but. They wanted to decide everything democratically, and um, of course, being a Gravel libertarian, I'm not afraid of democracy, but it has to be limited by a constitution that prevents the you know the majority from you know taking over on the minority. Uh, well, yeah, I heard you. I heard you doing that, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times people don't understand that. For example, if um, a person says to a black person, or an Hispanic, or a Chinese person, or or an Indian. We have to have rule of law. The first thing they're going to think of, well, I'm law. Law is what lynched me. Law is what got smallpox in the blankets. Law is what called me a coolie. So libertarians really have to understand how to explain our concepts better. No, we do, and we also have to change our attitude about it. I mean, you know, I guarantee you, I just did a lot more to ever make Brian Moore the socialist think about libertarianism than anybody would who would have brought him on their show and yelled and screamed at him and insulted him. I mean, our attitude, I mean, it, it's usually the anarchists, but, you know, the attitude mm-hmm. of most libertarians really sucks. And then yeah, we I wonder why it. nobody wants to listen to us. Oh, you know, I was like, like, yeah, look. I was talking to some people, and I said, we libertarians are the most arrogant people. As a matter of fact, one of your commercials reminded me of a saying that I have mm-hmm. about our libertarians, because your commercials was saying that people are, I think libertarians, uh, as the um, commercial went, uh, know about history, but not about political strategy. Oh, yeah, like nothing about modern politics. Yeah, yeah I've always I, told people. I run into that, too. Yeah, I've always mm-hmm. told people libertarians are politically astute, but not politically savvy. Right. Well, and that's, you know, I don't want to compromise my my morals either, but you have to look at a way to to approach these people. I mean, mean, you've got to understand, obviously, I have a different attitude about things. I'm the guy that started Mike Gravel down the road of converting to libertarianism. But you can't, I mean, there are a lot of things that, for example, we we make them taboo subjects, okay? Like some corporations suck, and that, Mm -hmm. that is just the truth. Those people suck. Walmart is not a good company. Now, the libertarian answer to dealing with that is as a consumer, you just don't buy their stuff. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. the way it is. You don't make regulations. That's not even going to work. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to talk to the, you know, the leftists and liberals about this if you want them to listen to you because to them it is important. It is an issue. Well, and I, some yeah. libertarian circuits, if you even talk about that, they're like, what? How dare you blame the corporations? I'm like, I'm not – dude, it, this isn't an issue that I'm trying to regulate, but that doesn't change the fact that Walmart is a greedy-ass company. And, they I, and I tell people, yeah, I tell name. people, yeah, I tell people, look, if you leave corporate, 
because as libertarians, we want corporations to be left alone without having to have the uh, the shackles of uh, all the marriage between them and governments. But if you leave them alone, there's no doubt that they will become greedy and corrupt, and even in some even in some cases, will try to kill people in order to further the gains of their corporation. But, and um, I don't see that going away just because we have a free market either. I mean, no, it's not. It's not. So how do you, you know, so what's the solution? I tell people, look, the best way to take care of that is, for one thing, what uh, Ron Paul and we libertarians want is a limited government. But people don't know what a limited government is, so I have to explain it to them. I say, look, you've got all these alphabet agencies like the FDA, the FCC, and the yada, yada, yada. When you have these kind of agencies, these agencies have power to make laws. As a result, the power to make laws now resides with the Congress. Therefore, this is how corruption becomes embedded. When you have lobbyists who go to the congressmen, who then can make the laws to create the agencies that make the regulations, etc. So if you get rid of the agencies and you have no, nobody saying to anybody else, well, you have to do this on Monday at 12 o'clock in this particular way. If you get rid of them, then, the, then you get rid of lobbyists because you don't have congressional power anymore. So when you right. don't have congressional, well, when you don't Mike have congressional power, I'm sorry. My, I'm sorry. Mike Gravel's answer to that was the National Initiative. He just he wants to see us have the ability to make our own laws if necessary, mm. and recall politicians if they suck. I mean, there is just no oh, reason. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I wanted to ask yeah. you. That's. I'm glad you said that. I wanted to ask you. Mm. Um, is there any way to impeach um, a congressman? <laughs> to impeach the Congress or a congressman? Yeah. Any congressman. Um, well. I can tell you that just kind of as a piece of insider info, when Senator Gravel sat down with Ron Paul because Ron Paul invited him to talk, Ron Paul said he wants to impeach the Congress. Um, technically, impeaching the Congress, you can impeach the Congress just like anybody else, but it, hmm. but it requires congressional oversight. If oh, you want to impeach that, yeah. somebody in your own country or in your own state, it's not always available. But, like, you know, for example, California has really good initiative laws. And that's how they got rid of their governor. You know, they didn't like him, so he, you know he sucked. So they they had a recall election, and that's what got Governor that's Schwarzenegger. That's why Schwarzenegger in, yeah. Right. You know, great, and yeah. I mean, that's what Steve Cubby was allowed to use initiative to mm. get medical marijuana legalized in California. And the the problem that we're having with the National Initiative movement in the Libertarian Party is because everybody's terrified of tyranny of the majority. What I'm, you know, and what they don't understand is that the National Initiative is not simple direct democracy. It is democracy, but it is limited by the Constitution. You can't pass like a, a, a you know an initiative to get rid of the First Amendment. You know, you, you can't do that. The, the Supreme Court will overthrow it the same way that it does unconstitutional laws when Congress does it. As far as getting rid of congressmen and, pre and presidents, though, that, that's just a simple recall referendum. You know, and, and honestly, you want quality control. That's the way to go about it, because it's like our Congress's uh, approval ratings, what, like 13 percent? Yeah. I, I, it's ridiculous that we have to put up with these people, and unfortunately – Yeah, but we do. But we do. You know, if, if there was it, ever a mandate that showed uh, clearly and flagrantly that Congress had right. no uh, regard for the American people whatsoever, it was a $700 billion bailout. That right. was more obvious than the um, elections in, in 2006, which got the Democrats in. Because the no, Democrats – I know. You know, because we, we sent hundreds of thousands of emails and faxes and letters telling these bastards, do not vote for that bailout bill. And they voted right. for it anyway. And then they had the balls to come on radio and TV and say, well, we knew because of the ratio of 150 to 1 
that our constituents were not behind our voting for the bill, but we had to do it anyway. Well, you see, in some in some countries, okay, for example, Mike Gravel is actually in Switzerland right now visiting them and talking to them about their government. Mm -hmm. Their government is based loosely on our Constitution, and then it has a powerful referendum system. And, in fact, in many cases, there are many things that the government in Switzerland cannot do without a referendum. If you wanted to do something like the bailout in Switzerland, it could uh -huh. not happen without a ratification of the people, not of the politicians, the people. You uh -huh. cannot spend vast quantities of taxpayer money without a referendum in Switzerland. You also cannot uh, declare war without a referendum. And if the people don't want to be in a war, they can write up a referendum and get you out. I mean, it's um, – and the honestly, you know, honesty, yeah, I can see that in some cases you're going to get referendums that, that are stupid, but – one of the things that Mike Gravel points out is that politicians, when they do something dumb, are not apt to fix it. When the people do something that hurts the people, then the people are going to, you know, they're going to feel the pinch and they're going to want to change it. Right now, they don't because they can't. They, they basically, most of our voters are completely apathetic. They don't think their vote, votes mean anything, and they're right. They don't mean anything. You know, and the reason why is because rich corporations are just able to buy the, buy the government. That's you know, exactly and once again, right. not all of them. I know I don't hate all of them, but you know, the reality is this is why Mike Gravel did it because he looked back at his Senate career and he's like, you know, the only time I was ever able to do anything was if I cheated. You know, basically he filibustered to end the draft for like I think it was like six months. I don't know. Are you familiar with a filibuster? No. You just sit there and read bullshit. Okay. Basically, a filibuster is. Well, if, I know what a filibuster have, is. I just don't know. I don't. Oh, I'm you know what he with. did. Uh -huh. Mike Gravel filibustered to end the draft. There was the, mm -hmm. the bill that allowed the draft was before the Senate, so he invoked his rights essentially to debate, and he just read garbage into the record until the until the bill passed out of being able to be voted on again. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's how he got rid of the draft. It was arduous. It was ridiculous that it was necessary, but the only way he could really do anything good, because everybody was owned. Everybody around him was owned. Um, and uh, when he – the other thing he did, because he couldn't end Vietnam by himself, he, he read those top-secret documents, the Pentagon Papers, mm -hmm. into public record. And in order to do that without going to jail, he basically had to kind of hide behind a provision in the Constitution that says that you cannot ever be tried or convicted or basically nobody can come after you for anything you say in debate. Yeah, if you're on the Congo – yeah, if you're on the Congress, uh, congressional floor during a particular type of session, yeah, you can't be arrested right. while you're on the floor. Yeah, and they they tried to prosecute him for it, but basically, and the funny thing is, is that uh, the reason he got the Pentagon Papers is because he was in the middle of filibustering the draft and was a known anti-war, anti-Vietnam, you know, candidate. The guy who got them out of the Pentagon called him and said, "Hey, will you read these as part of your filibuster?" He was going to do it like you know, like in the middle of the Senate. Um, and the guy who was in charge that day realized what he was getting ready to do, and he and he and he ended the session so that it wasn't you know possible. So Gravel is like, shit, what am I going to do? And so his constitutional lawyer friends who were there with him, trying to help him, said, well, you know, technically you can call a hearing. And so he's just wandering around D.C. and he finds a congressman and he says, hey, would you like to have a hearing? You know, and he's got the press there with him and everything, and he's like, yeah, I guess so. You know, the guy didn't really know what was going on. Uh -huh. And so they sit down and they have their hearing, and he says, you know, he's like, so what would you like to have a hearing about? You know, Gravel says that to him, and the guy says, well, I'd like to have a federal building in my district. 
And he's like, you know what? I'd love to give you a federal building in your district, but I can't because of all this war, the money we're spending on the war in Iraq. Or no, yeah. I'm sorry, Vietnam. Vietnam and he yeah. pulls out the Pentagon papers and starts reading them. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, while the press is sitting there, he read those things until he physically could not continue uh-huh. um, to the press uh, to the point where his eyes were watering. The guy is dyslexic as it is, so it's very hard for him to read. And then he gave them over to the press, and they published them in a book, and they tried to throw him in jail for it. But the, the point I'm getting at, though, is, is that he realized that our republic system is not getting us what we need, not, not for liberty-minded people, not for anybody who really cares about the people. And that's why he wrote the National Initiative system. And I don't agree with absolutely everything that he wants to do to implement it, but I, do, I am beginning to believe that we need a re- referendum and recall system. Well, we um, need you can check. Well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, the only other thing we could do that I doubt most libertarians are going to be on board for is, you know, do you want to make it illegal for gover- you know, for people to donate to campaigns? You know, do you want to socialize and nationalize the, the election reform system? Do you want to, you know, because that's, I mean, that's really the only way to do it. Other than giving us a referendum to say, no, we don't think so, you're fired. You know, you are the yeah. weakest link well, to buy. If we go back to the, um, the 17th Amendment as it was originally written without it being altered, we should have delegates who are going to represent the states without having, let's say, for example, a representative from California voting on a bill that's going to affect somebody in New Jersey, because that's right. ridiculous. And we have to get rid of the general welfare clause, and there's a few other um, few other activities that I would like to see. But the major thing well, is if, uh, if we can actually get the, um, the Constitution back to where it's supposed to be, and get rid mm-hmm. of the agencies, then if we have a limited government, we will have corruption, but it'll be limited corruption. And it won't right. you know, it won't send peace, send our young boys off to wars and it won't have payroll taxes of about, you know, twenty five percent or whatever the percentage is. And we wouldn't have Medicare and Medicaid to the uh, to the extent that we do. And if nobody believes about a concerted effort, as Ron Paul had um, addressed in the congressional record about a few months ago, about a concerted effort with the central bank trying to influence um, world politics and world um, economics, all they got to do is read the newspaper nowadays. Because oh, yeah. The, well, the, the, the bailout oh, actually yeah. made people angry on both sides of the fence. I don't know if you noticed, but... Dennis Kucinich was livid. I mean, mm-hmm. he got up, you know, during the one-minute speeches and was like, "I can't," you know, just, just totally ripped it to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on board with getting rid of the Fed now too. He actually, because I'm on his mailing list, he sent out he <laughs> sent out a a link to a video actually explaining to Democrats mm-hmm. what the Fed is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't really surprise me that he did it. He's always been kind of a, you know, I mean, he's one of Ron Paul's best friends in the Congress. I mean, it's pretty sad that you know his best ally is you know is somebody from the left because there's, you know, there's really yeah. no other option. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't agree with him, but at least I I trust him in that I know that he is interested in civil liberties and that I do believe he cares about people and he is doing what his constituents have asked of him. I don't agree with that is all the time. Obviously, I mean, I'm a you know I'm a gun rights guy. I think he believes in regulating guns, but. Um, other than that, he's pretty much on page for a lot of things. Um, well, even his wife said that um, Ron Paul would make a good president. Oh yeah, no. In fact, they were they were they were um, choosing each other for uh, for possible VP. Both of them were. Yeah. Um, and I, I I think to myself how interesting uh, a Kucinich Paul or Paul Kucinich administration would have been. Um, because at least, you know, the, well, they both agree on the war. I mean, and, and mm. Kucinich wants to, you know, basically wants Bush to answer for everything. And, uh, and yeah. Cheney, you know, 
He's got um, a lot of guts. He's got a lot of guts. Plus, he's the one. He's the one person who did speak the truth with regards to how to end the war. He said, just like back in Vietnam, he said, um, if if you want to end any kind of war, stop the funding. Right. <laughs> that's all. So all you well, have that's, to do. Well, that's what we did in Vietnam, and it basically yeah. it came about because the Pentagon Papers made everybody, made all the constituents so angry. You know, I can't believe you let these people lie to us and the war. You know, and that's the mm. people don't get it. And what the the Republicans and some of the Democrats do is they spin it that oh, you're voting against funding for the war. You must not support the troops. But you know, yeah, but see that appeals. Yeah. yeah, but see that that makes stupid people um, um, agree with them because all they have to do is say that, and then Americans go, oh, yeah, that's right. Mm. <laughs> Because, you know, because Americans are fat, dumb, and lazy. But even if we are fat, dumb, and lazy, I'm convinced we probably can't do anything anymore um, except abide by what Thomas Jefferson and John Locke said. You know, right. I've, I've you know, hey, um, you talk about this stuff really good. Do you have a show on Blog Talk? No, or? uh-uh. Mm-mm. Okay, no. well, yeah, if you ever decide you want to have a radio show, let me know. Um, we, can, we can probably try to find a way to fit you into the schedule. They could we'd use more libertarians here that are not... Well, there's, other, there's another Grand. libertarian on. Um, I, he, he missed the show today. I was going to call in for him, too, because I'm glad to see libertarians mm-hmm. on. And I'm, I actually am a, um, leaning towards being a spooner anarchist. Have you ever read any of his work? No, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> you would love him. Lysander mm-hmm. Spooner. Mm-hmm. He's an anarchist, but he's not a communist anarchist. He's a person who just believes that a government is not a government unless a person actually agrees personally with what um, well a contract between an individual person and any other individual person. So if a, if a person doesn't have a contract with the government, that government has no power over him. That's actually, in Switzerland, if you don't like what your government is doing and you can't win via referendum, you can secede, as in your is yard. Is that right? Oh, that's very, yeah. that, that's very interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, just, you're still you're still generally uh, protected by the rest of the country. Obviously, they're not going to let anybody invade you, but you you're out. You don't you're not subject to any of Switzerland's laws, and you can come back anytime you want. But like, if they do pass right. something you don't like, you can become your own country essentially. How about that? Well, if you ever yeah. read Spooner, if you look if you look him up, um, he's I forget um, something about I forget uh, human rights or whatever it is, but. He's got uh, – there's a major site devoted to him, and he writes fairly well, and he mm-hmm. just makes complete sense. You know, He said even though – he wrote in 1867, he was saying, yes, we had the founding fathers, but why should what they wrote 50 years ago um, mm-hmm. or 100 you know, affect what we do today? They right. wrote – you know, their contract was for their people of that time, not for the, not for the people of our time. No one can expect, because right. he was a contract lawyer. So he, he believed in everything being written down, in the written word, being signed, and everything being agreed to consensually. But, you know, right. and that sounds kind of stupid, but when you read what he has actually has to say, it makes so much sense. Because why, you know, why should I do what somebody in Utah wants? You know, and you're going back to your point about, America is now a democracy when it really wasn't intended to be a democracy. It was intended to be a democratic republic. And people mm-hmm. don't realize that. As a matter of fact, people still don't realize that it's not just republic versus democracy. It was supposed to be a democratic republic. We, we, we elect our delegates democratically, 
but the uh, I mean yeah, the delegates and the senators, but they're only supposed to represent their particular state, and whatever laws they pass and whatever laws the president abides by has to abide by what the Constitution mandates. They can't write up laws willy-nilly like they have been doing in the last 100 years. Um, and then, you know, then you have debates about them via the Supreme Court. You're not supposed to do that. Everything has been written down in the Constitution. You're supposed to abide by what the Constitution says. If you don't like it, okay, too bad. But Spooner says, well, the Constitution was a great piece of paper, but why do I care what they wanted? You know, oh, what they, no, I, you know. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, and I, I, I am a strong believer in most of the Constitution, just like Mike Gravel is. But mm-hmm. it, Mike is the reason Mike, you know, had more ideas for it was because of the fact that he recognized that, that the people who wrote that up were not all really on our side. I mean, no, the, the fact that slavery made it into the Constitution is evident of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, too, the, the arguments I get into people. Sometimes libertarians really chase their tails. Like, uh, I used to be part of a show called the North Virginia Patriots, and it's still a very good show, particularly if you're a libertarian. I strongly advise you to check it out. You can see them on Blog Talk, too. Uh-huh. Um, but I used to be part of that show, and at one point the argument came up about slavery, and you know the, the they were like you know the government should not have intervened on the you know on the, on the issue of slavery and I said wait a minute what did you just say you know and they're like it would have been better that slavery would have went on for 50 more years than to have the government do that and I was like okay just so I have this straight you're defending the rights of people to own other people mm-hmm. but you no know, please explain to me how that's libertarian you know and yeah, it, uh... the, the debate did not really go very well. Uh, obviously, I, I did not agree with what they said at all. And, in fact, it got some people pretty angry, <laughs> as you could probably imagine, to say yeah. that, you know, slavery should have been left alone. But that's, you know, we get to that really questionable point. I mean, like Mary what? Ruart's position on child pornography was also kind of a red flag for a lot of people. You know, and, uh-huh. you know, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a mess. And that's, I actually did a show about it called Are You Freedom Crazy? Because it was – is subject of okay, we need a lot of freedoms, guys. But sometimes, like, you know, when you're when you're talking about the freedom of another human being to own somebody else, you know, then you you totally well, that's unconstitutional. Well, yeah, I mean, even Spooner said it was unconstitutional. I mean, because you can't consider a human being a you know a piece of property, and therefore, since the uh, the slave didn't enter into a contract to be bought and sold and tortured, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know. The, the, the contract, or therefore the activity, or the arrangement between the, the slave and the slave owner was null and void. Simply right. even No, I, a, I agree. I just on a contractual basis, of not even a moral basis. You know. So. Well, I mean, you know, it, um, it's been really awesome talking to you. I mean, I hope that you call into my shows in the future when I, especially if I need somebody to to speak the libertarian values. If you could, um, you know, like I said, stick around, you know, restore the Republic Radio. You will have to suffer through the occasional Chuck Baldwin stuff, but um, we have a lot of liberty-minded hosts. You know, I think uh-huh. you'll really enjoy our shows, and it's pretty much on all the time. So, um, oh, and uh, you know, can you we, call you know, in, or is it just archived? You can still call in. Um, you okay. use the. It depends on which host. Each host has a different number. My advice to you is we generally moderate, we, we look at that chat room pretty heavily. And if, if, uh, if you need a call-in number, there's a chat room there at RTR Radio. Um, okay. and, you know, they, they are going to be much more receptive immediately and, you know, seeing what's going on. That's why I really feel bad that, you, you know, you thought I was making you wait for 20 minutes. I just didn't see it because I was oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, sometimes people have, you know, people don't realize that blog talk radio is just a vanity 
conference calls. Mm-hmm. People actually think they're on the radio. They're not on the radio. <laughs> you know, right. Not, no, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's, well, I mean, I like it because it allows me to, because I can call into it and run my show, you know, on, yeah. on RTR very easily because we use Skype. I don't know if you're familiar with the Skype program. I'm familiar. I'm um, yeah. It's I'm an familiar. awesome program. I yeah. actually got rid of my landline because now for 60 bucks a year, I have unlimited calling and people can call me. I mean, that's just crazy. But I mean, you can I, only I'm call like, people who have Skype, right? No. If you Okay. You can use Skype to Skype for free no matter what. Okay, uh-huh. but if you paid, first of all, it's two different things. If you pay to have a number that other people can call you at, uh-huh. that's like $30 a year, okay? And then for that whole year, people can call you on that number. And then you can also get, um, you can get a subscription um, for calling other people. You can either have buy Skype minutes, which is like buying minutes for a cell phone, uh-huh. or you can buy these, these uh, subscriptions dirt cheap, like $3 a month. Or like twenty nine ninety five a year for unlimited calling, um, and you can get that. Also, it's a little more expensive, but you can get it international. Like I can call Ireland, you yeah, know, it's, for nothing. It's a, it's a voice over internet uh, program with VoIP. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did to replace my landline, and it's it's really good technology because I mean I got a business quality internet because I do my radio shows. Um, you know, and, but I got rid of that, and I, I also, uh, you can get hookups to hook your computer up to your television. I don't even use cable TV anymore. All of my, you know, all of my entertainment comes right off the Internet, you know, and I can just turn on my television, and it's, it's hooked up to my home theater system. Um, you know, and it's, that's basically how I got out of it, I'm just on both ends. I mean, I, at this point, the only thing I even use anymore is cable Internet. Um, uh, but, yeah, I would, I would check out Skype, even if, um, even, you know, even if you just want to get the Skype program itself just because you know I will because that's very interesting I did take a look at the VoIP technology but I didn't take a look at it um, in depth but uh, from what you're telling me um, seems like it's pretty good well yeah especially if you want to do a blog talk show or something you call into I mean like you can do that you wouldn't even have to use a phone you could be sitting at your computer and you know you could use Skype to call another Skype person for free no matter what and you can also it's also a chat program I mean, just like AIM, it has that function, too. You can just, you know, type chat to people. You can start mm-hmm. chat rooms. You know, uh, you can fight whoever you want to. I mean, it's just, I'm amazed that this, this I mean, the, that this program doesn't cost more money than it does because it can do so many things. I'm very happy with it. I mean, uh, I haven't had any problems with it at all. You know, you can get voicemail. Oh, uh, really? You, oh, sounds yeah, good. voicemail yeah. for it. Uh, you can get um, call. Basically, the, the voicemail only costs a little bit extra depending on how long you get it for. Uh-huh. Overall, I got rid of my phone bill. Basically, what I used to pay for my phone a month, I pay a year now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 oh, the advantage is... Calling, I yeah. can have like eight people on my conference, you know, mm. call other people's phones. You know, um, right. that's how I do all my guests. Like, I called Mr. Moore on his actual house phone, you know, uh-huh. and I had him and Blog Talk Radio and, you know, RTR Your Radio. RTR, right. So, just well, something to think that. about, man. Yeah, that's yeah. something I'm going to look. I'm going to look to uh, look into it uh, with more depth because I had looked into VoIP, but I think at one time you had to have the person that you were calling. You also had to have um, uh, the same arrangement. They had to have the same um, either manufacturer of the same type of VoIP in order for them and for you to really communicate for free. But for what yeah, you're it's not me, like could... that anymore at all. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not free anymore. I mean, I mean, obviously it's not free, but thirty bucks a year. Thirty come bucks on, a that's... year is good. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, I mean, I guess it was, like I said, I think I spent total probably about 
60 bucks for everything that I got, you know, but it's still for a whole year. I mean, I, yeah. if you get an internet-based phone like you can get through Comcast or, you know, some of these other, you know, it's still like 40 to 50 bucks, a, you know, a month. So Well, most I'm people saving. are paying unlimited, um, for unlimited um, long distance, they're paying $40 a month, and they think that's cheap. So, I mean, something like Skype mm-hmm. for 30 bucks a year. Right. You'd be I mean, surprised. it is limited. Yeah. It is you'd be, you'd be surprised how many people won't switch, though. That, yeah, it's because they, they they don't they don't know they don't it. Like they the don't change. understand. They don't like the change. Right. Yeah. I mean, but for me though, I mean, when you consider that you can get a wireless headset, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you want to walk around the house, you know, it's even more convenient than that when it comes to being a phone. Right. You know, and when you consider the price, I just can't beat it. You know, and honestly, I'll, I'll never go back to having a landline now as long as this program is open. Well, you're um, um, you're coming across very clearly. So I'm yeah, I know, and I'm talking about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, once again, uh, stick around, you know, and uh, if you have other libertarian friends, please let them know about us. Um, you know, we, we have lots of good programming. It's not just people talking. I mean, I, I usually have guests on, like, all the time. Um, and uh-huh. I would strongly advise that you check out Charles J. If you look through my archives, I've had uh-huh. him on the show twice. Um, uh-huh. He is a great presidential candidate, if, and uh, he's from the Boston Tea Party. He is a total libertarian uh, we had a debate not long ago um, that right. Charles Jay was in, and he kicked the crap out of Chuck Baldwin, in my opinion. Um, uh-huh. So just something to think about, you know. But uh, and, uh, as our as our programs grow, we're going to have multiple channels now. Uh-huh. Um, I convinced them to have a, a left leaning channel, which is going to be for people like Kucinich people, you know, right. Gravel libertarians, uh, you know, Greens, and people like that who, you know, are still not perfect libertarians, but, if, you know, if i got to choose between a Green or a Democrat or Republican at this stage, unless it's a Ron Paul-esque Republican, it's probably going to be the Green. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sad to say that, but it's true. Ron um, Paul's um, aim was, I think he realized, or at least I, may, I think I read, but I may be wrong about this, is that <laughs> if you combined all the people who were third-party people and the people who were disenchanted with the Republicans and Democrats, they comprise mm-hmm. the majority of America because – Yeah, it, they do. Know, and if you, 60% of our populace doesn't vote, and that's yeah, a conservative and if, you, and if you get the disenfranchised and you can get them over to the, to the third-party side, then mm-hmm. what you've got is bye-bye Democrats, bye-bye Republicans, <laughs> you know. Yeah, You've got an absolutely. independent in there, and that's that's my goal is to get an honest president in there. Because a lot of other people have their uh, their respective goals. They want to get people uh, elected into Congress or elected governor and stuff like that. But to me, that's piecemeal because unless you well, actually have a president, forget, huh? And I have to point this out to people: don't forget, Congress and the Senate are necessary. I mean, because the funny thing is, is that I have to tell the Chuck Baldwin people this all the time because they think that. Electing Chuck Baldwin is going to get rid of the Federal Reserve. That's their big deal. I said, Chuck Baldwin is not even going to be in a position of authority to do anything about the Federal Reserve or the tax system. If you want that, you're going to have to take it through Congress. And I think we need both. I mean, electing an honest president will certainly help, but consider the limits of the power of the executive. The thing that Chuck Baldwin or any of our candidates could do is he could get us out of Iraq because we're over there with unconstitutional executive authority anyway. Mm-hmm. He could get us. He could get rid of all the executive orders that suck. But other than that, as far well, that's as that's how you get tax- rid of it. That's how Ron. That's how Ron Paul was going to get rid of the Federal Reserve, and that's how um, Harry Brown was oh, going to get rid of it. his executive orders. Yeah, I guess he could. Um, I mean, but, but he, uh, overall. But see, if he had, but if Ron Paul or if Harry Brown had made their intentions very well known, they'd you know they'd be shot. So Ron Paul, mm-hmm. 
As a matter of fact, Ron Paul is not as strong against the Federal Reserve on a one-on-one basis in a, um, in a committee when he's face-to-face with Bernanke as James Bunning is. Jim Bunning really seems like he hates Bernanke and the Federal Reserve. If you ever listen yeah. to, uh, to Bunning um, criticize Bernanke, Ron Paul... He's very good for a lot for showing um, how bad the Federal Reserve is once he's out of committee, once he's out of the committee session. But when he's right. in the committee, he is he's a little bit too too nice to Bernanke. Mm-hmm. He blames Greenspan. He doesn't blame Bernanke. You know, which is uh, well. I, I, I can't really criticize him for that because if he did, you know, along with his other views, he could get shot the next day, you know. Well, so that's better. actually because, like, when I showed it to Mike Gravel because uh-huh. he was not familiar initially with the whole Federal Reserve problem, and I had him watch the Money Masters, you know, I mean, that right. big, Good documentary, long, hour yeah. documentary. Right. And then when he came back to talk to me, you have to remember Mike Gravel used to be in military intelligence, so uh-huh. he knows a little bit about things, and he's like, you know, it all makes sense now. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he was thinking about JFK's assassination, mm-hmm. which he won't talk about over the phone, I might add. So I don't know what don't he knows. I don't blame him. Um, but mm-hmm. he said, you know, and then we brought it up again on the show when he came back on our show. And he's like, you know, the fastest way to get yourself killed is to go after the bankers. You know, and he there does talk go. about it, but he still there hesitates a bit because he knows I me. Mean, you got to remember, the same people that, that are all about that are – where would just love to get a hold of Mike for reading the Pentagon Papers. He's already got enough people that are angry at him. That's why he, he retired out of politics for so long, mm-hmm. was because he was worried they were going to kill him. Um, but, you know, he's not a coward. It was just a matter of, you know, like, what good am I going to do if, you know, if they shoot me, you know, at this right. point? You know, and so, but when you think about it, JFK's executive order that would allow us to purchase silver certificates, mm-hmm. um, you take that in the line with the fact that JFK – made that speech about secret societies, and yeah. he gets his head blown off three months later. Um, Abraham Lincoln does the greenbacks, yeah. and, uh, and then he thinks to himself, you know, they were, like, trying to convince him not to do it anymore, and then he's starting to realize, you know what, screw you guys. Why am I even bothering with you? I'm just going to print greenbacks and fix my economy. Well, he gets his head blown off. You know, I'm surprised. Greenbacks, right. greenbacks, greenbacks without gold, and then you have an argument when, when, uh, with regards to mm-hmm. JFK, Talking mm-hmm. about the executive order that affected the uh, the bankers, the um, the Bay of Pigs affected the CIA, and the FBI was involved with waving off the FBI agent who was supposed to mm-hmm. be with the JFK as they rounded the corner um, over there um, in Dallas. So there could have been mm-hmm. a um, you know a contribution of both. The, uh, CIA oh yeah, and, I don't I don't discount you know. the other things either. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's just yeah. that, like especially when you study. Like some of these documentaries, they have quotes from various assassinated presidents that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had more than you know, more assassinated presidents. We had assassinated congressmen, too. Um, oh, sure. uh, the people who spoke out against the Federal Reserve Act, one of them got his head blown off. Um, oh, no, no, he got poisoned. That's right. He got poisoned at a banquet. Um, you know, so about Wellstone. Just, you yeah. About yeah, you're talking about um, Wellstone. I see, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah, he died in a plane but, crash. He was. Um, Oh no no, no talking you're talking about died. you're talking about uh McFarden way back yeah, when. Right. Yeah, yeah back, got, in back in the nineteen hundreds. Back in the yeah back in the nineteen hundreds. He was an open opponent of the income tax and he was an open opponent of the Federal Reserve and that got him killed. Mm-hmm. Um and that's you know uh but Mike 
you know, if, if if Mike had been elected, he still would have acted to deal with it. But it's kind of a situation. Of, mm-hmm. I better make sure I live. It's it's a little too easy for the CIA to murder somebody like Mike Gravel. He's 78 years old. Yeah. You know, you're gonna heart attack a guy like that. It wouldn't take much. Um, no. You know. No. So, no. but in any case, though, you know, it's it's been really awesome talking to you. I hope that you stick around our network because. You know, somebody like you, I think you'd really appreciate our programming. And I, I basically use Blog Talk as a as an avenue to to spread knowledge about Restore the Republic. On top of the fact, just trying to get a bigger listener base. You know, uh-huh. because these internet medias, you know, they're getting bigger. You know, and uh, it's just a matter of time before. You know, I mean, when you think about it, the it's the best friend of the Ron Paul campaign for sure. I and mean, there's so well, much. It definitely, liber- it definitely is. But uh, I wish the libertarians would get together because we're such an arrogant bunch. We keep thinking that we are, as individuals, so powerful as individuals that we think that we're candles in the dark. You know. <laughs> oh and, yeah, no, I, I recognize that, and I learned that firsthand at the Libertarian National Convention because mm-hmm. essentially what happened. I don't know if you were there, but I was. And I, I was wasn't a delegate. No. Um, basically what happened as a delegate, um, I was there representing Gravel and, um, I was talking to people and what it amounted to is, is that there were a lot of very pretentious people who did not grasp the fact that we are a tiny party that the majority of people laugh at. I mean, they make fun of us for being as small as we are, (laughs) you know, and that they, they all acted like we were somehow important, you know, and I was like, look, the only reason that, you know, we are important is if we get a candidate in here. You know, who's going to get, you know, enough attention and at the same time is going to maintain our ideals. Mm. And one of the things that, you know, the radicals, particularly the anarchists in the party, tend to be mm. the, the ones that I, I fought with the most. Now, the stage was set at the beginning of the convention because they had an impromptu debate uh, where Mike Gravel debated against Michael Jingozian, Michael, uh, um, uh, Steve Covey, and Mary Ruart. And there's a guy, I don't know if you know who he is, his name is Starchild. He's the guy you always see on C-SPAN dressed as a, you know, he dresses I heard like about a, him. He, he's, he's a, he's a drag a, queen, isn't he? Yeah, he's kind of nuts. But he yeah. basically spent the whole time heckling Mike Gravel, and they didn't do anything about it because it wasn't an official debate. So you get this guy, he's out there, and he's, he's an anarchist, and he's jumping on Mike. And Mike, of course, is not just going to have somebody disrespect him, so he, he barks back. Mm-hmm. And then you get the arguments between the anarchists in the crowd that are angry, you know, that because they, they want Mary Ruart and Steve Cubby, you know. Um, and what ended up happening was this. All the Mary Ruart people that I talked to said that they would have rather had Gravel than Barr. And yeah. all the Gravel people I talked to pretty much said that the, other than the, the Mary Ruart child pornography thing, that we still would have preferred to have um, Ruart than, you know, than Barr. And what ended up happening is, is we spent the whole convention fighting each other. Uh-huh. And the whole time, you know, basically the the the, the centrists with George Phillies, the Gravel, de- you know, the, the Gravel delegates, the Ruart delegates, and you know, uh, the Cubby delegates, and we were all bickering and being mean to each other. And meanwhile, the Bob Barr people just kept on trucking, and mm. you know, Wayne Allen Root was trying to play all sorts, all sides of the fence at once. Uh-huh. And as soon as Wayne Allen Root sold out, it was over, and nobody got anything they wanted. Nobody, you know, basically none of us got candidates we wanted at all because yeah. we were too busy attacking each other and not being willing to recognize the things that we had in common. Um, and that, that was really, in the, that's what I'm worried about because that just seems to keep echoing. I mean, it's happening in the Ron Paul movement right now. Yeah. Um, you know, with the Chuck Baldwin people are, you know, basically ticking off everybody who's not a Chuck Baldwin person. Uh-huh. Um, they're driving out the gays. They're driving mm-hmm. out the, the atheists. They're driving out the pagans. They're driving out essentially anybody who's, you know, who doesn't agree with them. And 
you know, that was already in the making anyway. We all agreed on Ron Paul, but from the very beginning, there was a theocratic element in the Ron Paul movement. There was an anarchist element in the Ron Paul movement. There was a hardcore libertarian movement, you know, within the Ron Paul movement. Mm. And we didn't all really agree with each other, but we agreed on Ron Paul. Now it's people are fighting over Chuck Baldwin, Bob Barr, uh, Charles J. You know, who's yeah. going to be our guy? And then, you know, what I'm seeing that's starting to scare me, though, is that I'm getting people who they're so devoted to Ron that they're not thinking straight. They're not thinking for themselves. You know, like when I get when I'm trying to debate the, the Constitution Party platform and I'm saying things that six months ago, if I had told anybody that I knew of this presidential candidate who thought the First Amendment gave him the right to ban profanity, they would have laughed at that. You know, there, there's no way that would have flown on RonPaulRadio.com back when we were that six months ago. No way. You know, and now I'm being told that that's not important, you know, by the same people who would have laughed at that. You know, uh -huh. when I, if I said there was a presidential candidate who thought that gay marriage, you know, should never happen because the, uh, the Constitution is rooted in biblical law, they'd have laughed at that, too. You know, but because Ron Paul said he supports Chuck Baldwin, there's all these people that are just blindly following him. And uh -huh. then the, the sacrifices that are being made don't even make logical sense. Like, I had a guy who said, you know what, Neil, I wouldn't care if Chuck Baldwin made it illegal for me, illegal for me not to go to, con you know, not to go to church every Sunday as long as he gets rid of the Federal Reserve. Like what? Did yeah, well, that's, yeah. yeah, well, what people are doing, they're, 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 I guess in that respect, libertarians are just like everybody else. They pick an issue, that's their major issue, that's their Moby Dick, and everything else goes by the wayside, even though it is you know, kind of stupid. People don't really think logically. They think along with their, with their issues. So in that, um, right. in, that, um, in that regard, they're the same as everybody else. You know, everybody who was born, <laughs> born a Democrat will die a Democrat, and the same thing with those who are born Republican will die Republican. They don't think. But when I get confronted with somebody like that, I say to them, okay, let me ask you a question, Miss or Mr. Do you know of anybody that, you know, you really respect, you really admire, that you really think is a very honest person and would make a, a tremendous president, honest, intelligent, has morals? Do you know anybody like that? And they almost right. always say yes. And I say, well, then, suppose, you're a Democrat. Well, let me ask you, if this person was a Republican, would you vote for him? And they say, yeah. I said, well, then, if that's the case, then you've got to use that type of uh, thinking to vote for the person that you believe is going to be the best person for America. But he won't win. It, but I say it doesn't matter if he <laughs> doesn't win. You know, it's not the a, a self-fulfilling prophecy.